3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to i Other people want to make friends if it's trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach and put it all in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or, of course, tweet me at Jim Kramer. We can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. But unfortunately, we're separated from that light by a big chasm. And if we can't bridge that chasm, then you got to look out below. That's just some terrific vaccine news from the highly promotional Moderna. The averages roared today. Dow gaining 228 points. S&P climbing 0.91%. NASDAQ advancing 0.59%. Big tech holding back here. Despite the horrendous COVID-19 case numbers coming out of Florida, Texas, California, Arizona, we might be able to go back to normal sooner than we thought Thanks to Moderna or, frankly, the dozens of other companies that are working on a vaccine, including AstraZeneca, which was neck and neck with the stock of Moderna all day and actually finished the session with a greater game. OK, so the vaccines, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. It led to some euphoric and, frankly, ludicrous, but ludicrously bullish action. The usual suspects, cruise lines, airlines, restaurants, the second tier retailers. I call the vaccine gang. But even if everything goes perfectly, it'll be months before vaccine ready, maybe half a year. That's what makes these moves fanciful to me. You've got to finish studying before you inoculate. Moderna's vaccine hasn't even entered phase three trials yet. They need to make sure it works and there are no serious side effects when presented en masse, not just this little group. And then we need to manufacture hundreds of millions of doses. So in the end, there is only one serious, fairly foolproof method to bridge us to a successful vaccine. And that's stimulus from the federal government. The stimulus to you, to the business you work for, or the business you own. However, this market's attitude is not totally binary. On days when we get good vaccine news like today, you know exactly what will rally now. World Caribbean, Wind Resorts, United, Airline, uh, D- Darden, Parent of Olive Garden, along with Cracker Barrel, Disney, Norwegian Cruise, which I love, but up 20% on one day? Come on, man! Now, I know anything can be justified in this tape. When we get a vaccine, people indeed will take cruises again. With it, the company survived. Without it, they could run out of money before they're even allowed to start sailing again. Casinos need crowds, but social dis- distancing means no crowds. Once we get a vaccine, gamblers will be packed into sardines around the table again, though. The airlines, not only are people afraid to fly, most of the countries have even banned us. So there's not much point in international flights. Now, but what happens? American, after the close, is talking about the possibility of furloughing 25,000 people when its federal aid expires. I worry the government might need to bail them out again, take a chunk of equity. Uh-uh, people are itching to go on vacation. We know that. Corporate travel is a great investment for most companies. Once there's a vaccine, some buyers will lap up a company desperate for cash. And yes, the stock of American Airlines finishes up 16%. That's right. 16% and. I'm worried about it surviving. Off garden, Cracker Barrel, they can operate at full capacity again, but only with a vaccine. Without it, they're hobbled. Disney, they're tied to sports, movies, theme parks—three businesses that don't really work when everyone's worried about catching COVID. And you can play this game all you want, but it does to me feel an awful lot like roulette, a game of pure chance. We have no idea how long it will take to get a vaccine, but we do know that it's a bad idea to own these stocks going into earnings. Because they will almost surely disappoint. So, what happens? Thankfully, there's more than one way out of the jam. Yep, there's a couple bridges. First, we desperately need another round of stimulus from the federal government. As I mentioned, when JP Morgan reported last night, CEO Jamie Dimon laid out the logic of what's happening on the conference call. He didn't directly call for more government spending, but listen to this. He said, Quote, in a normal recession, unemployment goes up, delinquencies go up, charges go up, home prices go down. None of that's true this time. He continues, savings are up, incomes are up, home prices are up. Why? Because of the last round of stimulus, especially the super generous jobless benefits that expire at the end of the month. All right, that's terrific. I'd say it's a miracle the economy's holding up this well. But miracles uh, don't cost $2.2 trillion. However, J.P. Morgan still had to take some gigantic loan loss charges because of what's coming. The end of the stimulus Bailout was only meant to last through July. We figured we would have maybe the virus contained in early fall, but we botched the reopening and now states are being forced to shut down again. That's the chasm. The extra six hundred dollars a week in jobless benefits disappears right as a huge chunk of the country closes for business. And it's not just unemployment insurance. The Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, has made 4.8 million loans, more than half a trillion dollars. That's great for small medium-sized business. We've used it for our two restaurants ourselves in full disclosure and also my inn. It's a fabulous life raft that's kept a ton of businesses above water. Fewer than 200,000 companies have failed during this period. That's amazing too. Hats off to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. He gets a lot of criticism. This program worked beautifully. Unfortunately, many of the businesses that stayed alive will be crushed by social distancing soon, especially now that so many states are rolling back the reopenings. They just can't fit enough customers to turn a profit. We're a service economy, people. There are 15 million people working in the restaurant industry alone. Many of these jobs could disappear when the payroll protection borrowers realize they can't make a living in this environment. It's unrealistic. So those businesses will close up shop and the extra jobless benefits go away. No wonder the bank stocks couldn't get much lift on seemingly sensational numbers. So what do we do? Well, first, I'm asking you to temper the vaccine hopes. Hope is not part of the equation. The drug companies have to make sure their vaccines are safe and get out in, an earnest for, uh, in earnest for gigantic trials. It's even going to be hard to enroll before they start manufacturing en masse if everything goes right. The FDA isn't going to suspend its rules here. That was something that will be administered to hundreds of millions of people, including children. It just doesn't work that way. If you want to hope for something, hope that Congress is willing to spend a lot more money. Unfortunately, that's far from a sure thing. Secretary Mnuchin needs to get in there and lobby aggressively. Maybe he can bring in some medical executives to hammer home the gravity of the situation. Honestly, it should not be this hard to throw money at voters in election year. Now, of course, I'm saying the best for last. There's one other way if Washington doesn't come through, but it relies on us. We need to wear these, we need to wear masks. All of us. It's that simple. The other day, I unveiled a contest on this show to design a mask that more people will wear. If you're, if you're 15, 24 years old, you can participate. There's a million-dollar prize for the best one. What's best? It's the one that most people want to wear. We can't make the technicals better, but it's something that's good that everyone will get when it gets behind. So will Americans do what's necessary here? I'm starting to believe the mask will prevail. Not long ago, Costco decided to go with the no mask, no service. Uh, Back then, a lot of people resisted the idea. They thought Costco would take a hit for turning away customers. They thought they were dreamers. Oh, contraire, mon frère. They just had a blowout month with double-digit same-store sales growth. Now, this morning, Walmart adopted the same policy. I'm into them, trying to get them to talk about it. After the close, Kroger, largest grocer, did the same. Tens of millions of people shop at these places every week. This may be the breakthrough we need. I'm going to call it the mask pontoon bridge. It's cheaper and more efficient than another government bailout. According to Salesforce.com's Mark Benioff, who's become an expert in reopening the the economy and is part of this mask initiative, the competition I'm talking about. If everyone wore masks for three weeks, we could stop the pandemic in its tracks. That's what he told us when we rolled out the XPRIZE competition, XPRIZE.org. It is a charity. I say nonprofit. I say make it five weeks and we are golden. Although I don't know if I want to wear a spam mask for five straight weeks. Oh, what the heck? If we embrace masking two-thirds of this market, the non-COVID stocks would explode higher. The bottom line, if you can't be bothered to wear a mask to protect your health or the health of those around you, please do it for the economy. I know it's not that comfortable. I know it doesn't look that great. Oh, this one's stylish. Maybe we get a more stylish one, but it gets us across the chasm, and that's what matters. And why don't we just design a better mask together and pay someone a million bucks to do it? Let's go to Peter in New York. Peter. Jim, how
2: are you? Pete Morales from uh, Park, New York. I'm calling you about Alibaba. I've been buying and selling Alibaba for about a year and a half or so, trying to buy high, uh, excuse me, buy a low, sell high. And um, I've been doing okay so far. That's one question. Do you think that's a good strategy, number one? Number two? What, what's up with the split? Uh, I, I don't heard know about was the split, a, but what's with split? this trading?
3: Why are you trading Alibaba? Why not just own Alibaba? It's a really good stock. You're going to end up buying. I don't want you to start buying high and selling low. Buy and own Alibaba. It's the only Chinese stock that I'm recommending. The only one. Lauren in, ooh, uh, in a tough area. Lauren in Arizona. Lauren.
0: <laughs> Hi, Jim. Lauren. Caller, um, my question is about Wayfair. With all this negative news and accusations surrounding the company right now, do you think it's smart to short sell this stock? I, or I, do you feel like this news won't oh, really Oh, I read this the stuff. Stock?
3: Look, I can never dismiss what people are saying about a particular company. I don't have enough information. I will tell you this about the fundamentals. Wayfair, which I felt was uh, in very much trouble uh, even in the winter, is an ultimate, and I know this also as a customer, the ultimate stay-at-home, make-your-office-into-a-home uh, make, I'm sorry, make your office... That's great. Make your home into an office play. And I think the fundamentals are great. I would not short that thing. With, no, I don't want you to short it. Let's go to Pat in Nebraska. We had anyone from Nebraska lately. Pat.
1: Jim, my question's about San Diego-based PriceSmart, which operates 46 warehouse clubs in 12 countries throughout South and Central America. The clubs look and feel like a Costco. And in fact, the company was spun off from Costco in the early 90s. However... Its three year stock chart looks nothing like Costco's. Last Thursday, PriceMart posted solid third quarter results, and I like that they're continuing to add warehouse clubs. But what do you think of the stock? Is you know, this when connect- this came public,
3: I liked it. I, um, I, the results absolutely were strong. I think you're onto something. I like that call. I think Price Smart's good. Now, you know, my Chapel Trust owns Costco and we're going to own that for a long, long time because I think maybe one of the best, not retailers, but companies in the country, this company is not as good as Costco. All right. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but we just have to bridge the chasm that's separating us, maybe with federal money, maybe with a mask that people will like more than this one. Although I like this a lot. I'll make money tonight. Goldman Sachs reported blowout second quarter results. And the bank stocks blew to higher today as a result, but not nearly as much as they should have. I am giving you my take on the sector. Then trying to make lemonade out of lemons in an uncertain market? I'll find out if the recent IPO could do the trick. It's a hot one. And nearly one in four U.S. households includes someone who suffers from migraine. Tonight, uh, including me, of course. Thank heavens for these pills. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk to the biotech that makes them. David Kramer.
0: Visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
3: Somebody shoot the bank stocks and put them out of their misery. It is too painful.
4: The House of Pain.
3: Watch them keep getting kneecapped like this. This morning, Goldman Sachs reported a truly astounding quarter. (laughs) Despite the pandemic, despite the shut the shutdown in America, they posted their second highest quarterly revenue ever. The investment banking division hit an all. Time record. House of pleasure. Best fixed income, currencies and commodities revenue in nine years. Best equity net revenue in 11 years. It was insane. Buy, 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 Honestly, this quarter made me proud to be a Goldman Sachs alumnus. Yet the stock barely budged, closing up merely 1.3 percent after being more than double that earlier in the day. At one point, it was barely up at all. Even for financial, Goldman gets no respect. It has become the Rodney Dangerfield of Wall Street. Even though it's the acknowledged leader in the industry, tough place to get a job, the stock crazily is among the lowest price earnings multiples. I figured this wasn't just an upside surprise. I actually thought at one point it was a cold shot, which is why the stock did jump eight points before the market opened. But as the morning went on, Goldman started dripping down and down and down, giving up most of its gains. No support at all. What the heck happened here? See, when I worked at Goldman Sachs in the 80s, my boss liked to say, Jimmy, we're a dry cleaner. Don't forget it. He meant Goldman didn't own anything. It takes, it cleans, it gets back, it gives back, no inventory, and therefore no losses, no credit losses. Oh, but Goldman's no longer a dry cleaner. Today on page three of the package that were in their earnings, I saw a nasty line, provision for credit losses, and a nasty number, $1.59 billion. See, they're not just cleaning clothes and returning them anymore. They have actual inventory now. Hence, the need to set aside a lot more money to cover potential loan losses if we have a big recession. Now, to be fair, I think Goldman's being incredibly conservative here. I I, I know I struggled to find out that they could have that big a loss uh, to equal the provision. To me, I think it's it's a screaming buy. We've run it for the Chapel Trust for ages, though, not doing well. I want to be bigger in the stock because I am confident that the loss provision is wildly pessimistic. And I am and even I am concerned about the economy. And yet I find it that way. But what matters is that if you're worried we're headed into an abyss filled with defaults, then you can't own something with credit risk. Why take a chance, for instance, with a stock of Goldman Sachs when you can bet on a financial technology play with zero credit risk? I think about a MasterCard, I'm thinking about a Visa, about PayPal. And that's why Goldman gave up back most of its gains, I believe. It's the same kind of action we saw yesterday when J.P. Morgan reported a fantastic quarter, Var none, took that big loan loss provision so that they didn't get much credit for the fantastic numbers they put up. And that's why City and Wells got hammered, too. They're not doing as well as J.P. Morgan, but they've got the same credit risk problem. Wells as Fargo is as problematic. Stocks actually went up today because it was probably oversold. Uh, Citigroup's in pretty good shape. Uh, they got a terrific business, by the way. It's called Treasury and Trade Solutions, TTS. Which helps clients sustain operations, manage their supply chains internationally, optimize working capital, and manage liquidity in a rapidly changing world all over the globe. This division alone is so large and so lucrative that I think it could be worth many billions of dollars. I'm sure someone would compare it to the $200 billion PayPal in this fintech crazy tape. And City's only a $108 billion company. Stock trades at a huge discount to its tangible book, which means it would be, if, it would be worth more if they were liquidated. That's right. If they closed the doors, it would be worth more. Now, given that Goldman Sachs might not report another quarter of this could for ages, I have no idea what could get people to buy the stock other than a COVID vaccine that makes the bank's credit risk a non-issue. I love to own a dry cleaner, but these days the dry cleaners are tech companies behind the payment. Plumbing and Encino, Encino, the one that came public yesterday, they're the ones with no inventory. Not Goldman. The solution? Can't really raise the dividend without a nod the regulators. Can't buy back stock for the same reason. I'm at a loss here. Are the banks like the oils? Toxic stocks that need to be avoided as long-term investments? Wasting assets? No, that's not fair. The fact that Goldman can make this much money in a tough environment, I find extraordinary. Its stock is way too cheap. Right now, value goes begging, but it can't always be that way. It's okay to have some value stocks. Goldman's too good a franchise to only be worth $77 billion. Now, Goldman's not a lame horse. It's a thoroughbred racehorse. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any hope of crossing the finish line before most of the Dow Jones average or the S&P 500. At least not until we get, yes, the vaccine. Stick with Kramer.
2: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business.
3: The economy might be on the verge of stalling out here, but the IPO market's still on fire. Witness Encino, that's N-C-I-N-O, capital C. It's an incredible debut yesterday. The financial tech company vaulted from 31 to 91 in a single session, even as it gave back a big chunk of those gains today. But so what if you're in on the deal? Boom. We're now in the early to middle part of this IPO cycle I talk about. We're The brokers give you some high quality deals at bargain basement prices in order to lure you back into a casino that had fallen in disrepute. These underpriced initial public offerings are fabulous if you can get in on the action, but most people can't. And Sino priced at 31 and opened at 71. Unless you got shares in the actual deal, that usually does go to people who are good customers, do a lot of business. Unless you got shares, you miss most of that move. And that's just one example. We've seen a whole host of terrific IPOs lately, and while those stocks are red hot, it's because the underlying companies have so much going for them. We have to proceed with a little bit of caution here, because the valuations have become astronomical. But we should still proceed. You see, there are too many terrific, fresh-faced companies to ignore. I'm not going to just say, whoa, that one's too expensive. Not if it's great. I want you to take a company that sounds like it's a a stand, a drink. It's called Lemonade, L-M-N-D. This outfit is reinventing the insurance business. It's not to be confused with Beyonce album, by the way. This thing came public roughly two weeks ago. The stock's pricing at 29 Opened above 50. So, again, if you got in at 29, instant worth. And it closed at 69, so you could have bought it at 50 and still made money. That's the first day. It's an insane move. Since then, Lemonade's briefly traded up to the mid-90s a couple of times, although the stock has pulled back. This week, it's coming down to $74. Today, which is the only reason I feel safe mentioning it right now, because you're not buying at the absolute high if you do come in. The dilemma's pretty straightforward here. Lemonade has a great story as a company. But even into this pullback, the stock is so hot, that I fear that you might get burned. And I've got to be a responsible person here because, man, we've seen some crazy stocks of late. Why are so many buyers uh, piled into this thing? For the same reason that Lemonade came in at number 17. On CNBC's Disruptor 50 list for 2020. They're revolutionizing a very stodgy kind of opaque industry. They're revolutionizing the PNC or property and casualty insurance industry. Think of them as a technology company that just happens to sell insurance. Lemonade's all digital. They sell insurance policies via desktop or mobile. You want to buy a policy? You don't have to talk to a person. You text with their artificial intelligence powered chatbot. Need to file a claim? They got another chatbot for that, too. And it can pay out claims in as little as three seconds because the company's digitized the whole insurance business from end to end. That's a big deal. The process of buying insurance or filing a claim is a huge pain in the neck. And scary. Lemonade makes the process relatively painless. Plus, we know millennials hate dealing with another human being. They'd much rather do everything online. Try to talk to millennial. I mean, just, just try it. I mean, you wouldn't need to schedule an appointment to talk on the phone. But that's why you want to chat, by. If Lemonade can get its mitts on the younger generation now, and I think they can, they might be able to keep that business for decades to come. And the older you get, the more you tend to spend on insurance premiums. So you get them young, and then you build them up. Let me give you some numbers here. For every dollar Lemonade spends on marketing, they generate more than 2 bucks in annualized premiums. The has been around for a few years, and their older customers are already spending a lot more money. People who bought renter's insurance from Lemonade three years ago now spend 56% more on their renter's insurance policies. Makes sense. Most people accumulate more wealth as we get older, and that means there's more to insure. Of course, if you buy a home, you upgrade to homeowner's insurance, which costs even more. The only time I ever had a break in homeowners was when I lived in my car. (laughs) As for the actual results, the company's growing like a weed. Last year, Lemonade's revenue Nearly tripled. In the first quarter of 2020, it was up 138%. At the same time, though, they are losing massive amounts of money. While the margins are improving, they're still in extremely negative territory. The net margin for the first quarter was negative 139%. That means they're losing more than $1 for every dollar of revenue they generate. Why? Because Lemonade's spending a fortune to grow the business. It would be wrong for them to slow down. Now, you don't want to be profitable. You want them to have game, set, match. You want them to take over the whole tolerable, adjustable market. When you drill down, though, there's a lot to like. Total customers more than doubled last year. We're up 96% year over year in the first quarter. In force premium, basically the premiums they should collect in a given year, we're up 133% in the first quarter. Premiums per customer keep rising from $150 in 2018 to 177 last year to 183 in the first quarter of this year. Meanwhile, their gross loss ratio keeps falling. That tells you Lemonade's getting better at writing policies. Put it all together, I'm pretty much sold on the idea that Lemonade's a true disruptor in the insurance space. They have built a better mousetrap. They're already shaking up renters and homeowners insurance, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same thing in other areas, like auto insurance. The total addressable market, or TAM, could be enormous. And we know this market has an appetite for companies that use technology to revolutionize the stodgy industry. Paladine, Roku, Livongo, uh, Square. Plus, the growth rate's phenomenal. Anything with 100% plus revenue growth, it's going to get people's attention on Wall Street. Most money managers are growth addicts versus the people who own the banks. They're value addicts. The growth guys, they can't get enough. The value guys keep getting their money taken away from them. When you think about the triple-digit growers that came public last year, let's see, Beyond Meat, Dice Deal today, Brazil, stock flew up, Zoom video, all right, well, it's a vaccine play, I mean, anti-vaccine, basically. CrowdStrike. strike, well, you just heard from them. I mean, they've all given you phenomenal gains, though all three are getting a boost for COVID-19. But even before the pandemic, these stocks were winners. Those are the positives. All right, so let's talk about what might go wrong, some of the negatives. Again, Lemonade is burning through money, and even though the balance sheet is pristine, sooner or later they're going to need to raise more capital if they keep it up at this pace. By the way, that's the big difference between Lemonade and last year's turbocharged growth stocks, Zoom, Beyond Meat, CrowdStrike. They were all either profitable or close to profitable and had a lot of money in their coffers. On top of that, we don't really know how Lemonade's business model will hold up during a recession because the company was founded in 2016. I think they'll be fine, but look, that's a warning sign. Obviously everyone's worried about what will happen in this big recession. Finally, the is nuts. Even if Lemonade keeps growing at a 130% clip, it's trading at, I always hate to say this because people, the old, the graybeards in the audience are going to be mad that I even mentioned this company. It's trading at 26 times this year's potential sales, not earnings, sales. Lavongo Health sells for about 30 times sales, and we love that one. Made a killing on it. But is almost profitable. Lemonade's a long, long way from profitability. So what do we do here? Okay, Lemonade's got a great story, great growth rate. But I can't justify just saying, let's go buy at this level. I think you do need to wait for a pullback that may be engineered by the fact that there's, you know, one day there's there's just too many IPOs, too many. Remember, Zoom video, Beyond Meat and CrowdStrike all roared higher right out of the gate. Then they eventually pulled back hard, and the smart people knew it was the moment to pounce. So we're going to stay focused on Lemonade and tell you when that happens. The Bottom line, Lemonade could have more upside here if the first quarter out of the gate is terrific, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it trade back to the 90s. But when it comes to these red-hot IPOs, you need to wait for the market to fall out of love with them before you pull the trigger. With Lemonade, I think it's a buy under 60. i back up the truck if it gets to 50. And if that never happens, you know what? I know you could buy a little, but I'm really just tempted to say, Missed it. Let's go to Harry in Florida, please. Harry. Booyah, Jim. This is Harry in Florida. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Yes, sir. Last year, I started following the information on Airbnb on an IPO, and then the news went dark. Then the news resurfaced on a possible IPO. And now I'm trying to find out, what your thoughts are, or your updated thoughts, on Airbnb going public with their IPO. Well, this is a great win. question, Harry. It's a great question. I'll tell you why. Because they've been releasing some numbers of late saying that they actually are a winner in COVID. Many people thought that might be a loser. I think the company's extremely well run. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I don't know what, whether, who they're going to choose as brokers, but this is absolutely a very, very interesting company now. And I really think you're right to focus on it, Harry, because it's gotten a better story than it had before. Colin in Pennsylvania, Colin. Jimmy Chill, what's up, man? The chill, man, had to weigh in on a couple of people who got me all wrong today. Uh, <laughs> you know, periodically you have to chief somebody now and then. What's up? Nothing.
1: So, this is one of the largest IPOs this
3: year. You
1: had the CEO on the show recently and loved their business model. You found it so compelling. You recommend initiating a small position in this stock because it can perform in either good or bad times. However, It's down over 20% since IPO. My question is, do I back up the truck and buy more or hold for
3: now? Well, we don't want to back up the truck, but we do want to buy more. I mean, Royalty Pharma, I think, is a very consistent company and is not expensive, and it's very hard to find them coming out of the chute. Sometimes the best deals, the best deals, Colin, are the ones that are quiet that nobody gets excited about. It just kind of drip lower. And then, bye-bye! Royalty's one of those. Lemonade's a true disruptor. I think this new minted hot stock could have more upside, but you know what? We missed a lot of it. Hey, I know I should've brought it to you earlier, but it was so red hot! All right, there's much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Biohaven. How's that company keeping up with the Kardashians? I'll explain when I sit down with the CEO. Then, while the COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc on brick-and-mortar retailers, Online marketplace StockX, a private company, has seen an explosion of activity during the pandemic. I'm going to talk to the CEO about the surge in demand and all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round.
5: So stay with Kramer.
3: Hey, totally realistic. The vaccine stocks are getting all the love and attention today. But one of the best biotech stories of 2020 has nothing at all to do with the pandemic. I'm talking about Biohaven Pharmaceuticals, which recently launched a revolutionary new migraine drug, Neurtech ODT. They just launched a new campaign today featuring Khloe Kardashian. I'm a little hurt they didn't go with me. I have migraines too, and I'm a user. But as chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, well, I got to tell you, I get what they're going for. Biohaven's totally on fire, so I predict it because I take the darn drug, and I love it. The best part is that this move is gettable and could have even more room to run. The stock's up more than 125% since we last spoke to the CEO in early April. Not bad for three months, so we got to ask, can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Dr. Vlad Kurek. He's the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. Get a better sense of how the Nurtek ODT launch is coming along. Dr. Kurek, welcome back to Mad Money.
5: Hey, Jim, how are you? Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Oh, Doc, I got to tell you, uh, it's
3: big news to get the Take Back Today campaign with Chloe. Tell me about it.
5: Uh, we are really excited about it, Jim. Uh, this campaign is all about patients. And when we were looking for uh, additional patient advocates, Chloe Kardashian uh, really rose to the top because she has been very vocal about how she struggled with migraines since the sixth grade. And she hasn't been satisfied with other treatments. And like many patients that we hear, they've been looking for a new uh, treatment to come to market. And Chloe heard about NERTECH ODT, got samples from her doctor and responded very nicely, and then was kind enough to agree to work with us uh, to be a spokesperson for this campaign so that others could benefit uh, you know, from her experience.
3: OK, so Flav, one of the things that I think people have to recognize is, is that Chloe's not alone Migraine. Now, I suffer from migraine, but uh, the number of women who suffer versus the number of men is
5: kind of uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's about 85 percent of migraineurs are women. And it usually strikes in kind of late adolescence all the way until about age 50. Uh, for women really in the prime of their life. And, and I know that that was an important part about why Chloe wanted to get involved. She wanted to help empower other migrant sufferers and women that there's a better treatment out there and that you don't need to suffer uh, like one uh, did in the past with the older medications.
3: Well, now, I, I have the uh, medication in hand. I do not uh, leave my house without it. Uh, I can't. And the reason I can't is because when I have a severe migraine, it's very hard for me to concentrate. And you, some people have cognitive. Thank heavens I only have a uh, concentration. But I put one of these in my mouth. Uh, put it, uh, it dissolves. And usually in three to five minutes, I don't have a I don't have migraine, which is incredible. Is that the experience for many people?
5: Uh, Jim, what you describe, and and, and I love hearing that story, it's consistent with what we've heard from many other patients, and now Chloe included, describes the same thing that you described. This is the only quick-dissolve ODT that's out there in this new CGRP antagonist class of medications, and we designed it for patients for that very reason, that it could very quickly, within seconds... It disperses mm-hmm. and it starts to get absorbed in your mucosal membranes and in your GI system and has a very rapid onset uh, of, of action. And so what we hear from patients, it works fast and it lasts for a couple days. And that's very different than the other treatments that have been out there. And so what you describe is why we think this is such a game changer uh, for the treatment of migraine.
3: And it's important for people to know that there are several uh, shots that you can get once a month. I I take Amovic and that Biohaven is uh, the FDA is allowing Biohaven to be taken, even if you have taken Amovic.
5: That's correct. And so what we've seen uh, thus far is in some studies that we've uh, published is that uh, for the acute treatment of migraine, it can be used on top of other treatments right. a patient uh, is taking. And so um, our indication currently is for the acute treatment of migraine. So if you have a migraine breakthrough and you need an acute treatment, you can take ours. We are also pursuing the prevention indication. You may have seen uh, that we reported a uh, positive prevention data right. as well. And we're very close to uh, being able to submit are uh, filing for an SNDA to the FDA so that we can then pursue prevention as an indication. And you know, we think that's going to be completely revolutionary here because people have always had to take two different drugs for acute and preventative uh, therapy. And our strategy is try to get one drug at the same dose that you can use for both acute and preventative treatment. And we hope the FDA is going to approve that uh, next year. Okay,
3: so where are you uh, versus... Uh, Ubrelvi which is this is a competitive drug that Allergan had and Allergan is now bought by Abbvie. Abbvie is a powerhouse marketer and I wonder how little Biohaven can go up against big Abbvie.
5: Well, Jim, you can imagine we get that question a lot. You know, we're a small company, but as I like to say, we're a modern day Pharma company, and we use a lot of modern day tools and technology, including social media, telemedicine, uh, and and also we're I think innovative and creative in ways like the uh, Take Back Today uh, campaign, and so. What I can tell you is, for the last four months, uh, we've gone toe-to-toe with our larger farmer uh, uh, competitor, and when we first came into this uh, space, you have to remember, they had a two-month lead on us, and they had 100% of the um, oral CGRP market. I can tell you that, as of today, we're splitting the market with them, so Little Biohaven has managed to get about half of the market uh, from the larger competitor, and we think, we're within striking distance of uh, becoming the market leader in the um, a new brands, our NBRX, uh, uh, you know, stats that will be coming out in the coming weeks. So we think we're about to surpass them in uh, new to brand market share.
3: One last question. I know I usually don't do this because uh, I don't like to speculate unless the fundamentals are good. But your fundamentals are excellent. Uh, there are a lot of drug companies that have no pipeline uh, or, or just a small pipeline. Uh, how does Biohaven stay
5: independent? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we've always said, you know, you have to run this business as if it's going to be an independent company in the long run. Uh, I think that's the only way to run your company. Uh, We have also developed a a very robust uh, pipeline, Jim. It's not just about migraine. Migraine is the lead asset, and we're excited about that. We believe it's on uh, par to be a blockbuster asset in of itself. However, we're also looking at treatments for Alzheimer's disease, uh, other neurologic disorders. disorders like ALS and Mm -hmm. ataxia and even some neuropsychiatric disorders uh, like OCD. These are some of the worst and disabling neurologic disorders that there are that face our society, and um, we have to study these drugs and we have to bring better treatments to market, and so we're running this company with the plans of this is just the beginning, we're just at the beginning of our story and just the beginning of what we hope will be a very robust pipeline in improving patients' lives. All right, well,
3: congratulations on getting a great endorser, and for all the things that you've done for migraine sufferers, and maybe for more, maybe some more. I'm I'm watching for more drugs, at Doctor Vlad Kork, he's the CEO of Biohaven, which makes nurtech ODT. People, if you have migraine, do not be alone. Talk to your doctor. There are actual drugs now. It's not like it was three years ago. have Money's back after the break. It is time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skeet? Let's go to uh, Nicole in Florida. Nicole. Jimmy kill Yes.
0: Um, I'm a nurse here in Florida, and I'm a first-time investor. My boyfriend and I watch her show
3: every night. Okay. I'm wondering how you feel about the Beyond Meat talk for a first-time buyer. You know, I think that for first-time buyer, I, I, I just look. I really just care mostly about the franchise. I think the franchise is good. I think that they uh, every day they seem to announce a new market. They got uh, good stores yesterday and in, in the other day in China. Today they announced Brazil. I like Beyond Meat. Tyler in Vermont. Tyler. Jimmy, chill. Thanks for having me on. I love the show. Okay. Yes. Yesterday, Scorpio Services announced they bought 100,000 shares of Scorpio Tankers ticker STNG.
0: With oil demand slowly coming back, does that make Scorpio tankers
3: No, no. Look, I'm not going to. There's a bunch of tankers. Everybody wants me to go behind them, and I can't do it because they trade. They go up. They go down. They go up. Go down. We're looking for solid blue chip stocks. That is not one of them. Rob in New York. Rob. Hi. Booyah. Jimmy Chill. And your team. Jim, I want to know what's going on with
2: CrowdStrike since last Friday's high. Okay, the highest
3: multiple price earnings, multiple stocks are actually going down here. Why? Because people want to buy the stocks of companies that do better if the economy opens because of the vaccine. They feel that these stay at home stocks have reached their peak. I'm not so sure, but at least you now know the answer. Let's go to Lynn in Ohio. Lynn. Hi Jim, I watch you every
0: day, but I'm a first-time caller. Okay. Should I sell should I sell my Boston Scientific?
3: No, here Boston Scientific's one of the best uh, medical device companies out there. I happen to prefer Medtronic. I happen to prefer uh, Edwards Life uh, Edwards, but I have to tell you, I, I have no problems at all owning Boston Scientific. How about you go to Karen, New York, Karen? Hi Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, I'd like to ask your opinion on a pharmaceutical company that's doing research on the treatment of COVID-19 pneumonia. It's called Asthmatica Pharmaceuticals and the symbol is OSMT. I'm gonna have to do homework on that company. I don't know. I do not family, I do not know how they're doing. I am gonna have to come back. I am sorry. Let's go to Jay in California. Jay.
5: Hey, Jim. Hope you had a great vacation.
3: It was sensational, thank you. Wonderful. Well-deserved. Hey, Jim, I'm really excited because a couple months ago you recommended the superstar stock, the Shopify, Zoom, yes. and DocuSign. So thank you for that. They're up over 90%. Thank you. In the last three months, so that's terrific. Thank you.
5: Hey, Jim, the stock yeah, the stock I'm calling about, Jim, has gotten rave reviews online. It's up over 124% in the last three months. The graphs look amazing. The numbers don't lie. The company just had a huge pullback today and a huge pullback yesterday. Okay. So here's the big question, Jim. Is it time
3: to lock that dog?
4: Woof, Data dog. Data
3: dog. Data dog. All right. Data dog? Data dog is down 41 cents today. I haven't like data dog, but you have to understand that's a high multiple stock like some of the others, and those are due for a little bit of a hit. They're coming in, and then you can buy some. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Thanks to the pandemic and the lockdowns, we've experienced years worth of digitization in four months. E-commerce was already taking over the world, but COVID's added a ton of fuel to the fire. Look at stock X which is a kind of online marketplace for limited edition sneakers, watches, handbags, streetwear. Privately held company, but a few days ago, they released a mid-year update, and the numbers were stunning. StockX has now moved more than $2.5 billion worth of merchandise on their platform across 10 million transactions. And by the get this, more than half those transactions were from the past year. While other companies obsess over millennials, StockX is focused on a better group, Gen-er, Gen Z because they're the young people. Now, their site is number four online shopping destination for male Zoomers, and I think that's huge. Let's go off the tape with Scott Cutler, the CEO of StockX, to get a better sense of how his companies managed to thrive during the pandemic. Mr. Cutler, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Sam, it's great to be back.
3: Scott, this is a pretty big milestone, and I want you to try to explain how it was possible. And actually, I know no one wants to benefit from a pandemic, but the pandemic has actually brought a lot of new users to StockX.
1: Well, you know, I think pre-pandemic, there was a big question as to what would happen in categories that are highly discretionary in consumer products. And what, we, what we've seen is actually an acceleration for many of the trends that you've identified, this shift in e-commerce change in buying behaviors. But in this particular category, we've just seen explosive growth in the last couple of months that is largely driven by what's what's happening out there in the macro marketplace. But that idea that this set of consumers are now having unique access to these types of products through our platform has been a huge driver of our growth globally.
3: Uh, Let me ask you something, Scott. Would you put yourself in the kind of zeitgeist camp of a Shopify or, say, an Etsy? Not just eBay, but I'm talking about really high growth entities that have suddenly become these amazing things to do while you're locked down.
1: Well, I mean, we've we've been the top, uh, top website among the upper income Gen Z demographic. And so we've, we've been able to really capture that consideration for that buyer around the world. You know, and I think for companies that are experiencing this this tremendous growth right now, we're capturing on this trend of providing access to these unique products that in many instances you can't actually get in brick and mortar. And so the pandemic has accelerated this notion of just being able to get access to products online. But now as people are just starting their journey online, they're starting their journey on platforms like ours, rather than going to even some of the biggest brands out there. And so our ability to deliver a digital experience in the pandemic has has certainly been our advantage to be able to serve the customers this way.
3: Well, have people discovered it since uh, last dance? The kind of classic no sports, other than ESPN, Jordans being just a fantastic thing to trade. It's been good for business.
1: Well, we we certainly experienced what we call the Jordan effect. It may surprise you, we've authenticated 3.5 million pairs of Air Jordans since our inception, and a million of those have been authenticated in the last six months. What we saw with The Last Dance, which, by the way, I thought was an amazing documentary, we actually saw the demand for Jordan products go through the roof on StockX, and we saw that increase dramatically on a year-over-year basis. So people you know, whether it was nostalgia, or the excitement of what they saw, they went back to even the original OG Jordan and uh, and bought those on the platform. And so we've been able to capture these cultural moments. And, and that was certainly one. And then we saw that instantly reflected in the prices of the products on the platform. All right. So,
3: Scott, I know that uh, initially a lot of companies were freaked out correctly by the pandemic. A lot of companies thought there'd be a very big slowdown. I know you sent a message to your people on uh, April uh, 23rd about some cutbacks that you had to make because you were kind of pivoting a different direction. Is it possible? Because I know you're from the stock exchange. You, you know you know how businesses can kind of just go cyclically. Could StockX be hiring back people in a month or two? Oh,
1: we're actually growing. I mean, we we made some adjustments to our business, our business model, the structure of our operations, we needed to make uh, you know open up the opportunity for it to us to invest in this next phase of growth and so as we look at our our future, which our future is really focused on our ability to expand expand globally to add other categories we 're hiring we 're building. We're investing in the foundations of the business to, quite frankly, deliver against the scale that we, that we expect. And so it was prudent for us to make those adjustments in April. And now that gives us the ability to accelerate into the growth that we're currently experiencing and, and really being prepared for a really exceptional back half of the year as we see a, a really significant recovery um, in the market.
3: Oh, definitely. Now, look, I don't want to cast aspersions on any particular company, but there have been known that there have been issues with authentication for uh, some of the companies in your business. How can you be sure about your authentication? Because the numbers, some of the money—talk about the, the, these sneakers are not ninety dollars sneakers.
1: No, no. I mean, authentication is at the core of our experience, and actually, you know, this is this has been something that's really come to you know, come to the forefront during the pandemic. I mean, we, while we operate a digital business, we have operations, we call them authentication centers around the world, our frontline team members and particularly those authenticators that are looking at every single product on the platform play an invaluable part of delivering a real seamless end to end customer experience. And so as a result, we've been able to deliver an experience that's very trusted by the consumer and the consumer expects the same degree of authenticity uh, that they do from the brand on our platform, even though we're delivering a marketplace experience. And so we think that the standard for authentication, uh, we've set it, we've set it for the industry, and we've been able to prove that we can do this on millions and millions of units in volume in a way that scales for us globally. Um, But I think from a consumer perspective, There is a a different level of expectation on a platform like ours to deliver the authentic experience for the brands that our customers love.
3: Well, my friends who uh, actually are on your site and, uh, by the way, who trade, trade in sneakers, didn't realize it was done, happened to be watching one at dinner, couldn't believe that the guy had to go trade while we were having dinner. But just love your platform. Love the authentication. Scott Culler, CEO of StockX. Great to see you again, sir. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, money's back after the break. them all for buying risky stocks as long as they're small, right? So if you want to go buy the airlines after a gigantic move like today, betting on a vaccine, just understand that the risk reward is no longer that good, particularly because a company like American, which is a decent company, may have to furlough 25,000 people. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.